Download the SportDeck app today for live scores, stats, the latest news and betting. You can find us on the App Store or by going to sportdeck.com. Is a principality about to inflict some capital punishment in Ligon? And is the newest Istanbul club with a shoestring budget about to change the face of Turkish football? You're listening to the Sport Deck Insight. I'm Dave O'Grady. Joining me as always is the great Gareth Morgan. Got your ticket yet, Gareth? Oh, you've opened a can of worms there, Dave. Um, I do, as I think we've discussed before, we're talking about obviously the Ireland-Wales game rapidly approaching now on the 24th of March. I do have a ticket in the home end. I will be in the second wave of applications for tickets in the Wales end as well. So I've covered my bases, not happy with the allocation, not happy with the price. And I have sent an angry tweet to FAI HQ. Oh dear, but you are happy that Gareth Bale is on the mend. Delighted. That'll be the best way to punish the FAI, Dave, with a with a victory. Well, if I was to put it from an Irish point of view, I'd say it's a better record for Ireland to beat Wales with Gareth Bale. Yeah, that is one way of looking at it. Yep, absolutely. And uh, yeah, as we discussed off air, I think uh, I think there'll be some goals. And uh, you said you had a dream that it was three two, but you don't know which side which side is going to win. That's right. Yeah. Yep, so it's, uh, yeah, I like the fact that we're already jousting about it and we're still, uh, you know, a couple of months out from the game. Well, we can't give out if it is a 3-2 because the reality is both teams will have given it a go. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely they will. And uh, yeah, the fans, I'm sure, will play their part. The teams will as well. Just a shame about the FAI. Would you take a draw? Not really any good for Wales, to be honest. Would suit Ireland, I think. Yeah, I take uh, I take a draw and run. Anyway, we are going to be talking French football on the show. We're going to be making our way over to Ligue 1, and we're going to be talking to Jeremy Smith of FrenchFootballWeekly.com. And then finally, we've got some Turkish football on the show. I'm delighted. Are you? Yeah, we've been looking to. Uh, yeah, we've been to, craving a bit of Turkish tea. <laughs> we certainly have, and uh, yeah, we're heading off to Istanbul. We're going to be talking to Emre Sadagul, co-founder of TurkishFootball.com. Remember, for the best live scores, stats, the latest news and betting, we have it all in one place on the SportDeck app. Simply go to SportDeck.com. You'll find the links to download us there. We're available on the App Store and you can get us on Android as well. Now, let's kick things off because after several years of PSG dominance, there is finally a serious title race being played out in Ligue 1. Monaco lead the way on 48 points. Nice are second on 46 and then it's PSG on 45. We're now delighted to be joined by French football expert Jeremy Smith from FrenchFootballWeekly.com. Jeremy, thanks a million for joining us. It could hardly be tighter at the top of Ligue 1. Can you see the title race going down to the wire? Uh, yeah, I can this year. I, To be honest, I think Nice may well fall away. Um, the next couple of weeks could be quite crucial for them. They've got a few injuries. They've got... Um, Seri, who was at the um, African Cup of Nations, um, and they still got quite a young squad. But um, I can certainly see Monaco um, staying the course all the way to the end of the season. Yeah, they love their goals, don't they? I was following the match that they played last weekend and it was just goal after goal after goal. And, you know, it wasn't a case that they were happy with the victory. They wanted to get as many as they possibly could. Yeah, I mean, you compare it to, say, uh, you know, a Mourinho team of the of the last few years, where 
they you know they they'd go one or two ahead and then close up shop that was good enough for them monaco just playing free-flowing football they've got so many talented players especially going um especially going forwards but not just there i think um some of their more defensive minded players are, are slightly underrated but i think they've also got that kind of youthful exuberance they're just enjoying what they're doing and yeah just happy to to keep pummeling teams playing football with smiles on their faces it's good to see one team that hasn't been going as well as they would have hoped is of course PSG they won the last four titles by margins of 29 8 9 and 12 points so this year is it a case of their rivals improving or are PSG becoming weaker or maybe a bit of both or even the loss of uh, do I say it Zlatan <laughs> I, th- I think it's a mixture of things I think certainly the fact that Monaco and Nice are, are putting up a good challenge so far in previous years um, certainly Monaco well Lyon last year for example only really got going in the new year Monaco I think the big difference is for the last two or three years they've pretty much sold their entire teams in the summer so it's taken a while for them to just kind of get those sort of um you know feelings going where where the players are used to playing with each other this last summer they didn't do that so much so there has been quite a bit of continuity from last year which has helped a lot and then i think psg are in a bit of a transition season a change in manager um you know zlatan for better or for worse is a big character on and off the pitch so i think that's a big loss um Cavani's kind of covering in terms of the the goal scored but um I think maybe they do miss um a bit of Zlatan's mentality and then um in terms of the coach I think Emery was a little bit of a risk in the sense that he's I think it's pretty clear he was brought in because of his his record in European trophies you know three Europa League wins and obviously what the the PSG authorities one is the, is the big one is to win the Champions League but he hasn't necessarily had a great record um, domestically so I mean possibly this is kind of new ground for him as well he's not usually been at the club that's expected to win the trophy the, the sort of major domestic trophy um, and there's a, there's a change of style as well I mean Blanc played kind of very slow very high percentage possession but not that much incision football whereas um, PSG at the moment under Emery are a little happier to let the other team have the ball a bit more and then kind of hit them on the break um, so I think they are getting there I mean, there's a couple of players who've been off form who are maybe finding a little bit of form Draxler's had a good start so I can see them pushing on but whereas in the past there's been no one at all to rival them um, this time, I think really Monaco can do. And they're playing each other this Sunday, which is an absolutely massive match. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, just just on the subject of Emery, Jeremy, there, as you said, massive game against Monaco on Sunday. You'd think probably Monaco you know, wouldn't be too displeased with a draw, whereas for PSG, it's starting to look like a, like a must win. And under what circumstances do you think Emery might not see out the season? With PSG, obviously, there's been a lot of a lot of chatter in in the media that he's under pretty intense pressure now. Do you think he'll see out the season there? I think he'll definitely see out the season. But um, if they don't win the title, it will be interesting to see whether he stays for for next season. Um, I mean, if they don't win the title or the Champions League, I'm sure if they win the Champions League, he'll have a job for life. But um, it will be, yeah, it's. 
the problem in the past few years with PSG is that effectively, because it was so nailed on that they were going to win the league, the whole season kind of comes down to a couple of Champions League matches around sort of March, April time, um, which in a in a sense is very unfair on the whole team. I think it was unfair on Blanc sometimes, the, the stick that he got. Um, this year... I suppose conversely, it could help them in the Champions League because maybe they're a bit more battle hardened. But you know, everyone says that in every league, the bread and butter is 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 the Championship, the league, and to put all their eggs in the Champions League basket, I think, is a big risk. Um, I can't, I, I absolutely can't see him being sacked before the end of the season. But if yeah, if they if they finish not empty-handed I'm sure they'll win a domestic cup or two but if they don't win either of the big ones then there could well be a change Okay, just going back to to Monaco Jeremy and uh, Radamel Falcao scored 14 goals in all competitions this season I know Monaco have spread their goals out through the team which uh, is another massive positive for them but um, you know Falcao getting rave reviews why do you think he's flourished so much since he's gone to the Principality after having you know, really struggled uh, in England? Um, I think, I don't want to use the phrase last chance saloon. I think when he went to Monaco the first time, it seemed pretty obvious it was kind of a stepping stone because, you know, to go from Atletico Madrid directly to Real Madrid was never going to go down well. I think it was always, a, you know, um, the Jorge, his agent in the background, kind of pulling all the strings, like, kind of controlling the whole of European football basically I think they kind of said we'll put you there for a year you'll make a lot of money um, you know tax free you'll do very well there and then hopefully Real next summer and although he started well that year at Monaco in terms of um, statistics in terms of goal scored he wasn't playing fantastically and then he got this this really bad injury and since then it's just I don't know if it's just a question of fitness or you know being in a bit of a funk because he didn't get the move that he dreamed of but yeah it, it, it went terribly in England I think now back in Monaco maybe sort of being energized by the, the you know the great young players around him maybe the fact that there's no pressure now you know he's not he's even with the good record this year he's not the player that he was presumably the the big move to Real is is never going to happen now so perhaps he's just playing with a bit of freedom and enjoying his football um, which he hasn't been able to do the last couple of years certainly it's good to see him back with a smile on his face and enjoying himself it, it looked painful when he was in England it has, I have to has to be said another player we have been following closely in France is of course Mario Balotelli now I know Jeremy he's been in the headlines recently after uh, allegedly being the victim of racist chanting during a game away to Bastia uh, it's not the first time I know Bastia fans have been involved <laughs> in this kind of incident what has the reaction been like in France and are we likely to see the French FA maybe dish out some stern medicine because of this? Um, I need to declare a slight conflict of interest here because I'm a Mets fan and I think they're, they've recently been treated diabolically by the by the French FA. So I'm very much hoping that, beyond hope, I think that the FA will treat another team just as harshly as right. they do Mets. Um, Bastia do have a, yeah, a history of quite a few incidents. I mean... Early this season, there was a fan who, who hit 
against PSG hit Lucas Muro with some kind of stick or something. And um, yeah, there's they've they've there's often been whether it's banners or chanting, kind of racist undertones to to a lot of what they do. Um, they've had sort of partial stadium bans in the past and had to play home matches away from their stadium. Um, so no, if the the thing with Mets recently was they lost two points after a flare was thrown at the uh, Lyon goalkeeper. If this is a sign of a new sort of um, uh, sort of much harder, much more authoritarian FA, then at some point they've got to to give Bastia some kind of serious punishment. But it hasn't happened yet, so yeah. so we'll just have to wait and see. I think possibly um, there there could be some kind of uh, some kind of punishment for Bastia, but I don't think it will be points penalty or anything like that. Yeah, maybe a, a fine of a couple of hundred quid. Yeah, well, seems to be the usual, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Right, it's been great chatting to you, Jeremy. Finally, really, to nail your colours to the mast, I suppose, could you give us a prediction for PSG Monaco this weekend? Uh, Monaco, Nice next Saturday, and who wins the title? No pressure. <laughs> um... I'll work my way backwards. <laughs> um, I, I'm hoping it's not heart overhead, but um, I, I'm going to say Monaco for the title. I just, I'd love it just for a change, just for the way they play football, for the fact that this summer that team's going to be ripped apart again. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'd love it if if they if they won the title. Um, Monaco Nice. I just think the way the, the way Nice have kind of. Um, I I don't. I don't think they've won a, a match yet in 2017, so I think they're struggling a little. So I'd expect Monaco to beat them. And then this weekend... Are you going to go for three-way Monaco? <laughs> I'd love to, but... I don't think Monaco will win it. I'm torn between a, a narrow PSG win and a draw. Again, my heart is saying draw. Um... I can, Monaco do have a reasonable record against PSG in recent seasons anyway, but I can see PSG sneaking a narrow win, which wouldn't be the end of the world because, again, it just sets it up perfectly for yeah, the rest of the season. Does, yeah. yeah, it fills the juice up for us to continuing following French football. Jeremy Smith, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a fascinating chat, and I'm sure Pleasure. we'll chat thanks to you again uh, very soon. Thanks a million. Hope so. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it's, it's hotting up in France, it has to be said. Jeremy Smith there from FrenchFootballWeekly.com. What do you think about that? Nice in with a real chance, but Monaco scoring every week. Absolutely, yeah. More than, averaging more than three goals a game is absolutely yeah, remarkable from Monaco. And I'm with Jeremy there. I do, uh, as a neutral, I don't have any vested interest in Ligue 1, but I would, uh, I'd like to see their adventure rewarded with, uh, with the title. Yeah, they've got a fabulous... Uh, Attitude when it terms when it comes to going forward and getting goals. Yeah, this is it. They uh, and as we mentioned, I think they spread the goals out as well. Falcao tends to capture the headlines, but there's three or four other players that have scored six or seven goals as well. So uh, yeah, they've got threats everywhere. They should really cut the hair of Falcao. I like it. Do you? Mm, I, I think, like I it, think yeah. it's kind of yeah. silky grease. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's one way of looking at it. I like. Uh, I've it, got a. It always seems like it's wet. 
yeah, it was sort of yeah, sort of a wet look, uh, yeah. yeah, wet look do. But I like the South American tradition for those flowing locks. You know, if you go back, sort of Canidia and plenty of other examples of that. Kempes going even further back. So I'm all in favour of it. Like it. Okay, great stuff. Well, it's au revoir to France and it's maraba to Turkey because we have some Turkish football on the show. I can't believe it. As we've discussed previously, there's been intriguing title races across Europe this season in France, Spain, Italy, and Germany. And now it's finally time to add Turkey to the list. Besiktas are currently top of the Super League, but the club just two points behind them is not Galatasaray or Fenerbahce. It's the far less well-known Istanbul Basaksehir or Istanbul BB, if you prefer. So who are these challengers? Can we call them the Turkish Leicester City? Well, we can find out by chatting to Emre Sadagul, who is founder of TurkishFootball.com. Emre, thanks a million for joining us. Can you start by giving us a little bit of the background to the rise of Istanbul BB and why they're a little bit different from the other more traditional title contenders? Well, Istanbul BB were, they didn't even exist 26 years ago. I mean, they were playing amateur football. There was nothing more than a council, than um, a team of the council playing in the amateur leagues. And they've seen um, a dramatic transformation over the last few years. And it's all been part, it's all been down to the way the club's structured, the manager, Abdullah Avcı, and the club president, Göksel Gümüştar. Interesting. How have they sprung to life or, like, looking at the season? I mean, what has happened that they've actually, like, come to life? I mean, is there, is it to do with certain players or is it just maybe a lot of good things have fallen into place at the right time? I mean, so traditionally you have your big three Istanbul clubs, Besiktas, Galatasaray and Fenerbahce. Now, there are other well-established clubs in the city, but um, as far as Başakşehir is concerned, I mean, they sprung out of nowhere. They they literally have no fans. I mean, wow. um, two to three thousand fans turn out to their games um, I mean it's a totally new club and it's in actually a new area a new district of Istanbul which has only sprung up over the last 10-20 um, years I mean um, how they've achieved this is they they don't have um, they, they actually operate on a shoestring budget compared to their um, noisier cousins in Istanbul and They've invested in experienced players such as um, former Newcastle United midfielder Emre Belozolo and also young promising players such as Cengiz Under who's been lighting up the league and he's been quite a revelation. He's a 19-year-old um, attacking player. He, um, he surprised me and he's, and he's turned out to be one of the bargains of the season. Um and over this month, January, they signed another interesting prospect called Irfan Jong Kaveji, who I think could be just as um, exciting to keep an eye on for the rest of the season. Wow. wow yeah. they're, they're coming out of the woodwork from the dead of night, a different district. They've got a shoestring budget. But the reality is, Emre, 
they actually only lost a league game for the first time this season last weekend, 1-0 at Fenerbahce. How do you think that defeat is going to uh, affect their what has been, a, 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 I suppose, an ascending roller coaster so far? Are they going to be affected by that because they don't have the experience? Or, as you said, they have been ex- signing some experienced players. How's it going to affect them? Well, it's as you mentioned, it's been an incredible journey so far. They were undefeated until um, their last game. And um, I'd just like to point out that that loss was against Fenerbahce um, at their home, which is like a fortress. I mean, mm-hmm. they rarely ever lose um, at the Shukra Sarajola Stadium. I mean, just just to um, emphasise how great their home form is, they haven't lost to their arch-rivals Galatasaray since um, oh, this millennia. They haven't lost to them at all at, at home. So the big question is now, how do they bounce back from their first loss? Um, will they fall to pieces or will they be able to keep momentum? Their coach was um, very calm after the game, as you've come to expect from him. He said, I mean, if you look at the fixture list, this was one potential game that they could have lost I mean anyone can lose their way to Fenerbahce and, and that's true um, I don't think they're going to fall to pieces because if you look at their last two seasons they've actually finished in the top four so while this is a complete surprise seeing them actually challenging for the title it isn't um, a huge upset that they're actually in the top four because they they have achieved this over the last two seasons I just wanted to touch, Emre, on, on the manager there that you mentioned, Abdul Avce, obviously a former Turkey national team boss. So he, he's had uh, you know high profile jobs in the past. As you've suggested, they're working on a shoestring budget. He's done a quite incredible job uh, with Basaksehir. here. Um, presumably, I imagine that his name must be being linked with jobs elsewhere, would it? Well, he actually had a stint at the Galatasaray um, youth set up before. He was appointed as Boshok manager. And I'm, I'm talking, this is going back a decade, over a decade. So he's been very much involved in bringing the club up from the lower leagues to the to the top tier. And as, as you mentioned, he has um, coached the Turkish national team in the past, which um, was, he was, it was an unsuccessful spell, but I'll put it more down to him not, he was a bit naive back then. He didn't know how to operate the um, footballing politics that goes on behind the scenes. I mean, managing the the big egos, mm. uh, the the camps within the national team, and so forth. So he he learned a lot. He matured. He's matured a lot, and he's not your traditional Turkish manager. I mean, um, your listeners may be familiar with, say, Fatih Terim, mm-hmm. mm. who is known as the emperor, and um, as is nickname suggests he's uh, big on ego passion it's all about motivation um, less on tactics whereas Abdullah is the complete opposite he's all about tactics discipline his system he's been building his team for a few years um, and he started in the defense I mean they've got a fantastic defense they've conceded the fewest goals in the league only 12 goals this season in 18 games now, he was pinned as being a defensive manager, but it's a 
term that he he vehemently rejects being a defensive coach. He says uh, they they play organized football and he does the best with his resources. And to be fair to him, this year they have actually scored 36 goals, which is um, more than any other team in the league other than Fenerbahce, wow. uh, 37. Mm. So uh, they're they're very dangerous on the count on counter attacking moves. They um, their conversion rate is high. Their shot to their goal to shot um, ratio is um, the highest in the league, and they score the most goals from counter attacking moves. Um, so he has done a fantastic job. I, I can't emphasize enough just one incredible job he's done with this um, group of players and. Galatasaray are interested in him, um, and he is a former youth coach of theirs, but he seems very happy where he is right now because managers have a short lifespan in Turkey. I mean, mm. if you yeah. go to, say, Galatasaray or Besiktas and you don't win the league for a year or two, that's it, you're out. You might not even last the season. Whereas he's been um, top man at Bajrakshir for um, on and off for a decade now. Yeah, it's been a remarkable journey for Abdullah Abchi, an incredible job he's done. And it'll be interesting to see that if positions do emerge, will he opt to stay in Turkey? Or, you know, if I, I can imagine if a Bundesliga club maybe came calling, he'd be out the door, possibly, you know, it, it remains to be seen. Tell us about, Emre, the neutrals in Turkey. Are they willing to kind of support uh, Istanbul, Basaksa here and, and will them on as, say, for example, neutrals? Neutrals did with Leicester City in the Premier League last season. Yes, very much so. I mean, they're everyone's second club right now. I mean, if you speak to Fenerbahce fans, they'll say, if we don't win, we hope it's Başakşehir here. Same with Besiktas, same with Galatasaray. I mean, deep down, I think everyone would like them to win because there's only been five winners of the league. So... And uh, they're all pretty big clubs in terms of their footballing tradition and their, where they've come from. Whereas Başakşehir would be a total break from tradition, a fresh start. And also maybe a new way of um, looking at football in Turkey. Because as I mentioned with Abdullah, um, you've been in charge for such a long time. As a club, they, um, they're not your stereotypical Turkish club. They, they don't rely on fans, on the there's, there is no um, intense passion or a raucous atmosphere. Yeah. Incredible. Because, yeah, they don't, they don't have the, um, the, the fans. And on top of that, they, uh, they're working on long-term visions, long-term plans. They've just built a brand-new academy, um, and they've, they've used um, Chelsea, Atletico Madrid, um, Real Madrid and Manchester City, um, experts from the clubs, um, or those clubs have come over, helped them set up um, their youth academy, and they've actually just um, done an agreement with Atletico Madrid over an exchange of players and coaches going forward. So it's a, they're looking forward to the future. Wow, it's remarkable given that the club, it seems to be very sustainable and they're putting the right infrastructures in place. They've got big plans. They don't have fans, but they do have plans, as you said. <laughs> do you think, finally, Emre, that we could see uh, Istanbul Basek Sekir become uh, a regular title contender in seasons to come now? Well, I think that's the big question. 
I mean, they have managed to stay in the top four for the last two seasons. If they go beyond that, I mean, they were known as the Istanbul Minnows, but they're going to have to we're going to have to start taking them seriously if they if they keep this up much longer. And um, the way they're structured, I mean, it's it's all built upon progressing each year. They've got long-term plans, whereas a lot of the other clubs are pretty old school. I mean, they it's, it's all short-term. There's also the club structures in Turkey are generally um, based on uh, members only. So each club will vote in a president, say every two to three years. So so what happens um, typically is say um, Galatasaray have an election and elect a new president. He will then change everything and bring in his plans and scrap the old plans and bring in new people. So there is a, a lot of continuity at these clubs. Whereas Başakşehir, there's there's no one um, challenging the club president or the manager because they're not structured as a as a members members club. It's more corporate, so it's following mm. in line with say how modern football has um, progressed in say uh, most most of Europeans most of the European elite leagues. So I think um, if they are successful and if they do stay. Um, in in the top four going forward for the next couple of years, it could actually change the way a few of these clubs start looking at football, and could actually result in a lot of um, structural changes in the clubs regarding how they're run and how they actually look at um, long-term plans going forwards. Wow, sounds like they're almost changing the face of Turkish football. Very quickly, what do you think, honestly, of their chances to be crowned the Turkish champions come the end of May? Well, I actually think they're they're better than most people expect. Because as we mentioned, they only lost their first game um, last week. So it hasn't been a fluke. They haven't got there playing terrible football. They actually play... um, I mean, quite, quite um, aesthetically pleasing football. I mean, they've scored the second highest amount of goals in the league. Um, they've conceded the least amount of goals. I don't think they're going to fall to pieces. I think they're going to be there to the very end. And um, I'm, I'm going to go through. I'm going to tip them. I'm going to tip them wow. for a, at least <laughs> tip them for the title. Good man yourself. I see you heard it here first. Get Whoa. your money on. Watch this space. Emre Saragul, co-founder of TurkishFootball.com. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thanks. There we go. The team emerging from the dark night. A new club ready to shake things up in Istanbul. Love it. Definitely a great story. Yeah, one that we've been looking to to bring for a, for a little while. I really enjoyed your link into the piece as well, Dave. There was a hint of Eurovision oh, well. about the au revoir to Jeremy and the, um, what was the, the Turkish was phrase? Excellent. You're not sure that that's actually correct. Well, are you? I apologise. I've it's been a while since I've been in Turkey, so my Turkish might be a bit sluggish, and I do apologise for that. But it's great to have a bit of Turkish football on the show. Definitely, and I uh, salute your adventure in uh, in giving it a crack. Yeah, let's adventure some more because Gareth Morgan, it's back. The FA Cup. Yes, Dave. Sound the FA Cup fourth round klaxon. Ding-a-ling-a-ling. <laughs> yeah, perhaps with a little bit more enthusiasm. Okay. Are, yeah. you, are you warming to this season's competition? I, I, I am, actually, in fairness. I, I have been definitely... Sutton and Eastley have really drove <laughs> my interest there. Uh, also, 
I think cup round draws are becoming the thing these days, especially in Scotland. Did you see Rod Stewart? Oh, unmissable. Absolutely unmissable. And uh, I don't know if there's any truth in the rumour that the BBC are looking to, to get Rod on board for the fifth round draw. That's uh, Monday night. Oh, so. wow. They should they should go for it and, and oh. let him have a few complimentary sherries beforehand and you, you can't go wrong. I, th- I believe the draw took place after a Celtic game. Um, so it's right. just one or two possible indications that Rod might have availed himself of the uh, in-game catering. He was the way he drew the balls was specifically interesting. <laughs> he a big reach in like an elephant's trunk, going for some uh, water from the lake or something like that. It was it was fascinating. And then at the very end, he uh, left the guy hanging. Oh, the handshake was priceless, yeah. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Just was too busy messing about with someone off camera and didn't see the uh, Scottish FA official. I think it might have been the president or the CEO who'd gone in for the gone in for the handshake and uh, was left hanging for a really uncomfortably long period of time. It was classic stuff. How long do you take? leave your hand out there? Yeah, it, it, was all, it, was, it was so awkward. And then he very sheepishly sort of withdrew it back towards his blazer. What would you rather... Uh, being left hung out there to 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 roast, or would you rather actually get a handshake and have it be like a, a wet fish or a dead fish? Oh no, I'd rather anything other than no. I'm not into the wet fish. No, I'd rather no, no shake. <laughs> yeah, equally, I don't want the sort of ex-military. I'm going to break your hand kind of shake. Let's just <laughs> let's just be sensible, modern adults, and just have a moderate strength shake. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Or have you been to any? draws or have you done any bingo draws in your time or anything no i haven't no. funnily enough. i've always fancied it i like the bingo <laughs> do you know what kind of style you'd you'd adapt uh, i'd like to think sort of vaguely phoenix knights kind okay. of uh, perhaps making up my own slightly inappropriate rhymes for the numbers right okay i would i think if i was drawing balls for a competition i'd do the the old classic fifa style jiggle them around when there's mm. only one ball left in Oh, there. you have to do that, yeah. As yeah, absolutely pointless, yeah. Give that one ball a jiggle, just in case you mistakenly get out the other invisible balls that are in uh, Absolutely. Anyway, we talked about FA Cup. Yeah. We actually have some football and not just the balls that draw out the football. No, that's right. We've, uh, yeah, although I was quite happy talking about bingo. I think you'd be a good bingo caller, but uh, perhaps that's uh, a topic we can, we can yeah, go on to I'll another day. I'll do it. Day. I'm, I'm available. Well, the FA Cup fourth round kicks off Friday night and uh, we've got a bit of an East Midlands derby between Derby County and Leicester. Leicester oh, really struggling fancy in the top derby flight. In that one. Exactly. Oh. We could well have an upset there. Uh, only one win in the last seven in the league for the Foxes. They are starting to get dragged into that uh, Are they not a cup team though? Battle. Because we talk about them in the Champions League and the Champions League is their Premier League of last season, this season. But I don't know what kind of approach have they been taking in the cup so far? Well, obviously only played the, the one game so far. But uh, okay. this is uh, this will be tricky because I know you're not a massive Steve McLaren fan, but no. Derby have certainly picked up uh, since he's been there. They're up to seventh now in the championship. The only thing that probably counts against them, if you're a believer in this kind of thing, is that they've only won one of the last nine meetings with Leicester, which is a little oh. bit of a surprise. Wow. One. So how's that going to go? I've got a feeling we might have a replay out okay. of that one. I yeah. wouldn't, uh, yeah, maybe a 1-1, something along those lines. But I think it'll be a difficult uh, difficult night there for Leicester and a good way to start uh, the FA Cup weekend. There's more to come, Dave. Bring it. Saturday, Blackburn against Blackpool. Oh. Blackpool have already upset Championship Barnsley to reach this stage of the Cup. And Blackburn, 
doing okay, sort of yeah, up and down in the league, still lots of problems off the field with the Venkies and so on. Wouldn't be surprised if they opt to rest some players, and if they do, could be a tangerine dream. Oh, a tangerine dream. Who's the darker of two blacks? <laughs> I don't know. That's terrible. But uh, it should be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Good uh, all Lancashire affair, that one. Then we've got a West London derby. Chelsea against Brentford. Nice little payday for the championship club there, going to Stamford Bridge. We've got uh, the big giant killers then as well. Lincoln City, top of the National League. They entertain championship leaders Brighton. Oh, Tough um, game for Brighton. Yeah, tough game. Very tough game indeed. Obviously, Lincoln will have their tails up there. And then there's probably the the biggest David against Goliath, which is Sutton then of the National League taking on Leeds United. That game's oh. on Sunday. Uh, Leeds are going well, aren't they, this Leeds travelling pretty well in the Championship. And there is a little bit of history in this, which uh, I found out this morning. They have met once before in the fourth round, these two, uh, Ooh, these two clubs. It was back in 1970 when Leeds were, of course, very much in their pomp. Johnny Giles, you know, Hunter, Lorimer, Clark, mm. When, when footballers were real men. Absolutely, when a tackle was a tackle. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, they uh, Leeds won six nil oh. on that occasion. Uh, what kind of team were Sutton back then? Yeah, I think they were they were even further down. There the were a couple of lads than, uh, out on the, in a housing estate having a kick about. You love the old housing uh, estate <laughs> analogy. I was waiting for that to come in. So yeah, I don't think it'll be six nil to Leeds. I think it'll be uh, it'll be tougher for them, uh, especially because Sutton do play on an artificial pitch as well. Which uh, and what kind of attendance will they get at Sutton? I'd sold out. I is it is it a small, little but compact? Kind yeah, of? I shouldn't think it's. Mo- I shouldn't think it holds more than about four thousand. I might be wrong, but I'd say that would be. Uh, and Leeds will fill their allocation uh, as they always do. And of course, it's on the telly because Leeds are playing. <laughs> but uh, yes, yeah, always so, on the telly. So there's your there's your cup games. Fancy heading to Germany? Yeah, go for it. Bundesliga. We've got a good title race. Das ist gut. Yeah, absolutely. That's about the limit of my German as well. Excellent. Ich bin Auslander und spreche nicht Deutsch. Quite impressive. Thank I like you. it. Thank yep. you very much. Um, Borderline bilingual. Uh, I've gotten around. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to lie. That's why you and Raphael Honigstein got on so well when we had him on as a a guest. Well, we've got second against third. It's uh, Red Bull Leipzig against Hoffenheim. Are Leipzig still up there? Still second. Bayern are three points clear, but uh, Leipzig are hanging in there. We've kept saying, okay, when are they going to trip up? Because everyone we speak to, every football purist that we speak to gives out yards about Red Bull Leipzig. They do. They do. They're, but, they're uh, the bad. They're, if they were in a Batman movie, they'd be like Bane or someone. The 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 bold character. Big time. They are the villains. The villains. They are the villains yeah. of the piece. But um, yeah, Hoffenheim. Interestingly, the only unbeaten side uh, in the Bundesliga. So wow. that uh, that'll be a an interesting clash. They're not hugely popular, of course, either. Hoffenheim. I think they're a little no, bit sort of. They an don't arm. like them either. No. So uh, yeah, there won't be too many neutrals. Uh, Shouting for either team in that particular game. Bayern, meanwhile, are home against Schalke. Um, Bayern are unbeaten at home in the league this season. Schalke only one win away in the league all season. So yeah, I heard that. What has happened to Schalke? Yeah. That's a story in itself. Yeah, dropped off, haven't they? Dropped off, languishing in mid-table at the moment. And you imagine Bayern will probably... Uh, two or three nil, something yeah. like that, you'd have to think. Absolutely. So, uh, Serie A, Dave? Yeah, give it to me. Juventus back to winning ways last weekend. We thought they might be having a bit of a wobble, but no. No, back with a bang. Made pretty short work of Lazio 2-0. They visit Sassuolo 
Okay. On uh, Sunday, another club that we've we've uh, featured on the show, yeah. So we, solo. we certainly have. We love our Serie A here on the show. Roma, uh, their second one point behind. They are away at Sampdoria as well. But they had the, a good win last week as well, didn't they? They did. Yeah. They did. Yeah. And uh, it's Napoli really that are the coming team in in Serie A. One defeat in eighteen games in all competitions, <sighs> and it looks as if Arcadius Milik will be uh, back fairly back. soon. So. Okay. Uh, they're already playing well without him, so that could just be the little little boost that nice turns little, them into. Is it? Would you consider a, a triple threat match there in the Serie? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, okay. I think it, that's the way it's shaping up uh, at the moment. They're home against Palermo Napoli this weekend. Poor old Palermo again. We've discussed their uh, woes uh, on the show. Their second last, only two wins all season. So I think if you were looking for a couple of home bankers. You'd probably uh, go for Bayern in the Bundesliga and Napoli, I think, as well in uh, in Serie A. Fantastic. La Liga next day, Spain, on this oh. breathless whistle-stop tour of Europe. <sighs> Spain, España, viva España. We said it would be as you were in the top three. We didn't really go out on a limb for that, no. in fairness. But uh, that's exactly how it ended up last weekend. Real beating Malaga 2-1, Sevilla scraping past... I've seen that 3-2, uh, yeah? A 4-3 in the three. end, oh. yeah, but it, they, a couple of late goals in that yeah. one... Uh, making hard work if it's Sevilla there and Barcelona no such uh, problems for them 4-0 the Iber, winner Ibar I didn't even I backed that with Sportdeck I backed all the big teams I backed Monaco which they got a I think it was 4-0 yeah, they, they, they got, they, up, they got yeah. a they win I backed Barcelona away to Ibar I backed Juventus at home to Lazio and I think I backed Celtic away to who it, they were playing in the I think they were yeah. playing in the cup they were, away yeah. and they won 4-0 so how much did you make? <laughs> 20, 20 cents I think I backed the tenner and made 20 euros <laughs> but it was it was real straightforward you know hashtag free money basically yep. um, but I nearly added Sevilla to it now they did win but it would have been oh, they a give, little bit a little bit too a little bit too scary for me they'd but, have made you work for it yeah, yeah they'd but, have been a toll on the heart yeah the point I was trying to make is I didn't uh, even look at the Barcelona game. I didn't even know. I knew that I was going to come through. I didn't even follow that game. You know? Yeah, they didn't disappoint there. They're no. uh, nice and comfortable for you. Uh, just in terms of the games this weekend, then involving those three clubs, Barcelona visit Real Betis, Espanyol host Sevilla, and it's Real Madrid against Real Sociedad. Uh, they beat Sociedad 3-0 in August, did Real and uh, Sociedad haven't won. Espanyol, did you say Espanyol are hosting Sevilla? Yes. That's going to be interesting because Espanyol had a victory last weekend and they seem to be, I don't, I don't know, they're getting a bit of a grip on things. And Sevilla, you know, it was get out of jail It was last weekend was. So for them. Are you tipping an upset, I am, I'm tipping, a, I think you could get a good banker of the double chance, uh, either Espanyol and, or draw. I think that's a that's a safe one. Right, that's from the horse's mouth. There. Right yeah. from the horse. Yeah. Hopefully, people will tweet in their abuse as and yeah. when that doesn't come in. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll see. That we'll was see. Dave, not me. <laughs> and Africa Cup of Nations, Dave. Yeah, we, we like love a bit of just headed we, south from Spain. We love a bit of long trousers on the goalkeepers. Oh, don't we? Well, we are. Obviously, as we're recording, there are still a couple of games uh, to decide the final quarter-final places, but a couple have been decided already. They start on Saturday. We've got Burkina Faso against Tunisia. Burkina Faso winning Group A. And then it's Senegal against Cameroon, having slated Cameroon several times on the show. They've only gone and gone through, haven't they? They drew with Gabon. They sent the hosts crashing out. Wow. 
only the fourth time in the history of the tournament that the host country have gone in the uh, group stage. It's really weird because we follow the major leagues in Europe and we keep hearing stories of the African players returning from international mm. duty. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, that Africa Cup of Nations hasn't been going on too long. What's the story there? <laughs> it's just so many teams crashing out. Yeah, well, it's it gets interesting now. Now you're into the knockout stage. Mm. I suppose like every tournament, the group stage can be a little bit... Uh, yeah, underwhelming and there have been a lot of draws and not too many goals so hopefully now it will spark into life and certainly that uh, Senegal-Cameroon game should be an absolute belter Senegal topped Group B they uh, won two and drew one of their games they've been pretty impressive so far and many people tipping them for the title and maybe so. because Cameroon have been described as the worst Cameroon football team in history there's no pressure on these guys absolutely yeah nothing no pressure whatsoever or else they're and, out uh, there to prove people wrong certainly yeah, yeah. you only have to look at uh, yeah the various media reports look, and, and, and our show the, and our show yeah maybe they've been listening to us let's take credit <laughs> let's take credit for it so let's turn it on his head we're back in Cameroon now <laughs> okay yeah we're gonna go we, I feel like cool runnings when the Americans were bad mouthing the Jamaicans and then all of a sudden on the TV network they removed their jackets to show a, a Jamaica supporting jumpers on them you know that's it yeah I'm gonna do a Roger Miller dance next time <laughs> uh, next time we're on air so uh, that's your Africa Cup of Nations wrap. Fantastic. Thanks a million for that, Gareth. Well, I'm afraid we're out of time here on the Sport Deck Insight. Our thanks to Jeremy Smith and Emre Saragul for joining us. Remember to download the Sport Deck app by going to sportdeck.com. We've got live scores, stats, the latest news and betting all in one place. We're available on the App Store and you can get us for Android as well. We'll be back at the same time next week from Gareth Morgan and myself, Dave O'Grady. Have a good one. Take care. Download the SportDeck app today for live scores, stats, the latest news and betting. You can find us on the App Store or by going to sportdeck.com.